like the people like the guy in Christchurch and um you know the Oklahoma City bomber and the guy that runs the car into people in Charlottesville and the guy that's up on charges in Melbourne at the moment for wanting to you know bomb left-wing spaces extremist people they're just like the ISIS of western countries and so they they they're just violent uh, people that no one Muslims, Christians, Buddhists, Hindus, people that are atheists, people that uh, worship Jimi Hendrix, none of none of us want want that that around our societies. It's just that every one of our societies seems to have these people that want fascism, that they want control, they want um, unions busted, they want um, no immigration, they want some kind of fantasy of racial purity um those ideas being fostered are, are um are incorrect scientifically they're they're not they hold no weight uh and then the culture wars that are going on currently i think are if, i mean it's around the world so um at the moment because it's in new zealand across the ditch it affects us and it should affect it should affect us deeply that people from new zealand new zealand citizens um, are at a place of worship, and this happens. It's, it's a hateful crime, and, it, and it, it does nothing but attempt to divide us at a time when we have a very clear um, opposition. We have a very clear um, uh, global fight to be had against, about, against people who are using violence, uh, terror, and the threat of violence um, to try to control us, you know, and that that's happening around the world and in this case i think that uh white supremacy is heavily supported in the west and um this guy's thought patterns have been supported since howard's speech defining that we will decide who comes to this country and the circumstances on which they arrive and everything from the wall talk at the moment it's it, it's been 20 years odd of, of fueling stoking flames um, uh, about some kind of white genocide or, or some concept that we're not in it together, that, that Hispanic people, black people, Aboriginal people, Australian people, um, you know, Korean people, Chinese people, I mean, Melbourne, Greek people, Italian people, that we haven't always been in it together and that we should be defending our cities from people like the Christchurch shooter or like, like ISIS. Like I said, like it, 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 there's, there's extreme people there that are trying to fight us and um yeah we we're that are trying to hurt us i should say and we, we should be figuring out how we're going to organize to fight fight them on every shore you know and in this case we have to do it with uh, a current government um and the current policies of the AFL, alp on refugees which are a disgrace and only foster anti-islamic sentiment in this country and in new zealand for those that have those thoughts so there's a lot of work to do here. The Greens talk a big game, but they don't really talk about open borders. You know, fuck borders, fuck bosses. Um, so there's still a lot of work to start pulling back the left because it seems like the what used to be considered centre is now considered the left, and it's not. Centrist politics are not left-wing. Bill Shorten is not left-wing. The Greens aren't very left-wing. Um, and, yeah, we're trying to, trying to um, stop this kind of hate is going to take more than what we've been seeing from our elected officials in Australia. Certainly. Yeah, I, do think it's linked. I do think it's linked to government behaviour, mm. for sure. 
Sorry, uh, I was going to, uh, I guess, follow on from that because uh, you know, since the, um, the the horrible attacks in Christchurch, a lot of the um, you know the corporate media attention has very much been on Senator Anning's uh, abhorrent comments, uh, blaming Muslim immigration on the uh, the terror attacks. Now, while uh, you know, of course, Anning should certainly be opposed. I mean, do you feel that, uh, you know, I guess the focus on, on, on characters such as Anning or I guess previously during the Howard years, characters such as uh, Hanson, do you feel like this, the focus on, uh, on these sorts of, uh, you know, obviously far-right individuals really, um, I guess, allows people such as Morrison or Dutton or back then Howard uh, to distance themselves from the far-right and, and somewhat abscond from any responsibility for this culture of xenophobia and Islamophobia? Absolutely. There's no doubt that having Bernardi, Hansen, Anning, uh, Christensen, Abbott, people like this in Parliament, absolute bottom feeders culturally, bottom feeders politically, absolutely disgraceful individuals on a moral and ethical level, things that we should be more concerned about. Uh, when you've got people like that sitting at the at the forefront, in fact, being prime ministers in some cases, Peter Dutton running for prime minister. These, these are people that have deeply fascistic, fascistic tendencies towards their political organisation, the way they view working people, the way they view immigration, the way they view homosexuality, anything queer, that the way these people talk about those people uh, are deeply linked to the same rhetoric of, of Goebbels and the same rhetoric of, of Mussolini, the, the same rhetoric of the fascist. And, and they, can, they can attempt to argue that they are not fascists. But what I just said is that the way they speak is exactly the same as fascists when they were organising to gain, gain power. And we should be really deeply concerned about that because, you know, this Anning guy, he, he's not just one lone kook in that parliament. And good on Egg Boy and good on... The, the young man that, that cracked an egg on his stupid head when he was in Melbourne. And I think Anning should, should realise that, you know, if he's going to talk the way he talks, whether it be via press release or get together and have a little meeting with his fascist fanboys, which we had the normal uh, sort of characters from groups like, you know, groups that have 10 to 12 members that get around the streets in Melbourne. I'm not, I'm not going to mention their names. But there are probably two or three active fascist groups at the moment in Melbourne who've been causing real problems, uh, getting together on the street and terrorising our communities. And we've had to confront them in larger groups than them. We're always bigger than them in Melbourne. They will always lose here. So it was great to see that young man smack an egg on his head. Um, I think it was uh, very good optics for the media. And I think Fraser Anning should think himself very lucky that that young man chose an egg because his kind of comments um, uh, can't be met with reasoned argument. And I think it's best if he stays out of Melbourne, that's for sure. And I can only speak for the people in my city, but I think per cities like Perth and, and anywhere uh, would be do well to not allow someone like Fraser Anning to enter their city. He is, uh, has a history of, um, of deep racism towards Aboriginal people and his comments are just disgraceful. And he is supported by a growing league of hard right, um, dangerous people in our, in our Australian parliament. And just quickly, to wrap up on that question, always remind yourself that it's your tax dollars 
if you want to view it like that, when you go to the voting booth that pays these fascists and these neo-fascists and these quasi-fascists that sit in our parliament, it's your tax dollars that pays for their letterboxing and you know, and their their flights around to hang out with their fascist mates. So I think that should be of deep concern to people when you've got single parent payments being cut and people sleeping on the street, you know, and refugees that still can't get the help they need. Meanwhile, we're paying hundreds of thousands of dollars a year to quasi-fascists and neo-fascists. Makes me sick to my stomach, personally. Certainly. Now... Ezekiel, the world over, there is, of course, a long, proud, hi- proud history of anti-fascist and race- anti-racist movements, uh, of course, from the resistance movements in Italy, Germany and Spain, to the squads in the UK who fought against Mosley's Black Shirts and later the National Front and British Nationalist Party. However, I mean, and I guess there are some considerable e- e- uh, exceptions to this, but in recent years, the nature of anti-fascist organising has seemingly changed uh, somewhat, and I guess that's probably more indicative of of the left changing uh, considerably as well. I mean, we've seen sort of concepts of allyship or privilege have been, have, I guess, replaced concepts of solidarity. And at least here in Australia, it seems that there is not as much interest in building, uh, I guess, militant working class movements. And the left seem more intent on focusing on I guess uh, what some might call more sort of postmodern traits, such as uh, policing of language and behaviour. I mean, have you have you noticed this trend at all? And do you think it's having any effect on on these on our I guess anti-fascist and anti-racist movements? Yeah. Uh, yes. When I was fifteen, my mother called me out and said that you've got to come to a rally tonight. Uh, uh, I was just sitting at home uh, doing some homework. And I said, what's going on? She said, this woman, Pauline Hanson, is coming to Geelong, where I grew up. And there was about 50 people at that meeting. They were trying to form a One Nation uh, branch or whatever in Geelong. And about 1,500 of us turned up from Melbourne and Geelong to the Geelong West Town Hall and physically forced our way into that meeting, past security, past police, and physically shouted down the meeting and physically took to the stage and took their microphone and public address system away and physically pushed them off the stage, as I recall, the um, the people at the front doing while I was at the back with my mother, 15 years old, and my mother there, a fully grown and capable adult. Now, that kind of behaviour now would be seen as, well, we're not giving them their free speech. That kind of behaviour now would be seen as, well, you've got no right to push someone from a stage like that. And so there's been a massive regression, like egg boy. People are saying that's assault. That's a, that's a teenager throwing an egg at a Nazi. That, that, that's a funny thing. And if, and if people have lost sight of a Nazi getting egged on the head being funny, they're, and they're actually defending that Nazi or that fascist right to go to a Nazi rally in Melbourne and, and talk, we've got a really deep problem and we are seeing that. And that's what I'm talking about when people talk about the left. It's not the left anymore, it's the centre. It's the centre and we, 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 must, we must be able to physically disp- defend our spaces from these people, people like Anning, people like the groupsicles that you see dropping banners at football games and, and doing mock beheadings at council meetings and interrupting and shutting down council meetings. And people can find these people on the internet. Like I said, I don't want to mention their names because there's so many more of us. But people like that, it's called the paradox of tolerance. And 
if you want a tolerant society, at some point you have to decide that intolerance won't be tolerated. And it's complicated and it's nuanced. And the left needs to be having some more, some braver discussions around it. Because the concept, and you just have to look at Malcolm X to know this is true. You know, the concept that, that, that if it will, I'm not going to talk like that because I'm on the radio and I'm not going to try and put words into someone else's mouth. But what I will say is if the state is the only group able to use violence or force, I should say, then, and they then start allowing fascists to march. And not only that, but what we've seen in Melbourne, they start capsicum spraying anti-fascists and, and actively trying to kettle us and break us and physically assault us. And that's what the police do to facilitate Nazis and fascists with swastika tattoos and T-shirts marching around our streets. We've seen that in Melbourne. If that is the state of play and you then take away from us with your language, you, say, you then say, well, you know, we've got to have a reasoned argument with them. Well, we've already lost because they will, history shows, use that space that you give them to grow, to organise, to develop and then people start getting put into groups and then they start getting taken away. And then you've got a bigger issue than an egg on the head to fight. You've got a very serious issue that's going to mean you're going to have to take time off your job and you're going to have to do what we did between 39 and 45 last century. And that's the end game for these people. So it's, it's very complex and it involves force and just how much force the working class are willing to organise and use responsibly and with discipline because the cops aren't going to do it. They're not going to protect us from these people. They support these people. There are pictures of them high-fiving fascists on the steps of the Victorian Parliament. That's a fact. Google it. High-five Victorian State Parliament cop Nazi. Google that and you'll see the photo. Deep within their ranks, they hold the same ideals. That's why they murder Aboriginal people and get away with it. That's their connection to the state. So unless we're willing to get together, link arms and say we're not moving and if you push us, we will push back to these, these fascists, then they will grow. And as frightening as that is, because of the way they talk about women, gay people, Aboriginal people, Muslims, everyone in your community, it, it doesn't mean it's not a fight we have to confront like my mother did when she tapped me on the shoulder and said, oi, we've got to go to Geelong West Town Hall now to tell these people that they can fuck off.